Welcome back, everybody, to the Hangout in the Holy Land, the official podcast of LandGrantHolyLand.com. Uh, the internet's pretty good Ohio State athletics and news website. Uh, host, Matt Brown. I am the managing editor of, uh, of this organization. Uh, I am the co- one of the college league managers for SB Nation. I'm joining you uh, from the recording booth on Thursday. Uh, a little bit of the afternoon here, February 2nd. That is, of course, uh, the day after National Signing Day. I'm joined here by my, my colleague and regular co-host, Mr. Colton Denning. And uh, how are you feeling right now, Colton? Matt, I am feeling like a four-star consensus prospect that is not a five-star only because of character issues off the field. I'm feeling <laughs> great today. <laughs> you do have a, a lot of known red flags Um Known associations with Bagman and other disreputable disreputable characters. I feel like I got a star knocked off based on the fact that on the first drive of Ohio State's season, I was in the bathroom throwing up. That's that, that's only uh only only up from here. Uh, I do not feel that way. I feel like like a a two star you know walk on caliber wide receiver who's just thrilled that he found a spot at New Mexico State. Uh, I was gonna say you feel like someone in Iowa's class. <laughs> yeah, there. I uh, I'm, I'm sitting here. I'm 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 killing a, a fruit juice. It's been it's been a, it's been a long season. It's been a long National Signing Day. Um, struggling with some illnesses that I did not realize adults still got. Like I'm expecting like in two weeks to come down with like the freaking chicken pox. And that's what happens when you uh, surround yourself with toddlers in your life. But we're gonna power through it because you did not listen to this podcast to hear about the status of my throat and ears. Um, you came to this podcast because you probably want to talk about National Signing Day, where maybe National Signing Day itself didn't end exactly like Ohio State fans wanted, but the class, obviously, is superlatively excellent. It's the highest-rated recruiting class Ohio State has ever signed. It's arguably the greatest class we've ever signed. I mean, like, it's going to have to compete with 2013 and, like, 1968 and maybe some of these mid-'90s classes before, like, the, the true... Uh, recruiting services era, but the 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 talent on paper is enormous. We I, I actually just published. If we look at the top players that Urban Meyer has signed at Ohio State, look at the top ten. Five of them are in this recruiting class, and like those you know, the, the other guys are dudes like Von Bell and Raquan McMillan. And if like two or three of these players and that in that group end up as good as as Bell or McMillan. Um, they're gonna be just fine. <laughs> like those, those are those are really, really dang, uh, dang good football players. So you know, there's I, I guess there's one potential concern that some fans are having after this whole thing. But I assume you're feeling pretty good about the way everything went down, right? Yeah, I feel excellent about it. I think even when you look at that 2013 class, and not to compare this one to that one, but just based on you know what they did and winning the national championship and the next year going 12 and one it's hard to compare until they get on the field but like just on paper i don't know how anybody can complain about this class like it's just my personal opinion i'm not gonna tell anybody how to fan but like if you're whining about this class you're just being a jackass because like this is such a stat class and what you brought up the one area where people are concerned about and kind of ended the day on the bummer was defensive tackle the number one uh in his position at the country marvin wilson deciding to commit to Florida State over Ohio State and LSU. And I think one of the like the biggest reason people are upset 
about this or like this is a thing is that it's three years in a row now that Ohio State has missed out on a Southern highly rated defensive tackle. You saw Rashard Lawrence last year go to LSU, and they've been in the mix very late in the process, and it just seems like they, they can't land that guy. But for a multitude of reasons, I, I think that Ohio State is going to be just fine. What's your take on this? Yeah, I we've written about this before. And to be honest, it isn't just Southern defensive tackles that Ohio State has missed out on. It was, I think it was Gallimore. It was from Canada, I believe, that ended up going to Oklahoma a couple of classes Rashawn ago. Rashawn Gary, too. Yeah, Rashawn Gary. He's a New Jersey kid. Ends up going to Michigan. And Michigan, you know, is going to deal with the same demographic challenges in terms of, you know, where they're located that Ohio State has. And, and the Wolverines have signed two mammoth defensive tackles now two years in a row. So it, it is possible. But... Um, uh, there, I, I would say there, there's two things that I would say to calm calm you down if you're worried about this. Uh, the one, the Buckeyes are stupid loaded at defensive end, and that's a position where maybe it's the the group that in the Urban Meyer era they've recruited the best. And what Ohio State's able to do for a couple of those guys, one is in, in some passing down situations, you're just going to play them at defensive tackle anyway. Um, Excuse me, that's what the Rushman is. So you're going to have guys like Nick Bosa or Jonathan Cooper play inside. And uh, they also might just convert some of them to defensive tackles, bulk them up a little bit, hope they retain some of that agility, uh, which is what you're going to see with Jashawn Cornell if he's able to get healthy. And, and there may be a couple other players who would like to do that to get more playing time. Um, so there's, there's, there's lots of options. And, and then a second, so it's still – really early in the 2018 re recruiting cycle, right? Like we're, we're literally a year minus a day away from the next national signing day. But if you look at some of the players that Ohio State's already very heavily recruiting, the odds of them signing a very good defensive tackle, I think are pretty good. Teron Vincent, a uh, guy at IMG Academy, the number one ranked defensive tackle in the country, top 10 prospect. Uh, we look at him right now, 100% crystal ball to Ohio State. Um, Florida State is going to be in the mix there. Clemson, Alabama are going to are going to be in the mix there. Um, but there's there's been a, there's been a run on on Ohio State, um, you know, for, for for pushing there. There's another gentleman, uh, Matthew Jones, who is from Brooklyn. He plays at the same high school as Curtis Samuel did. Uh, number three defensive tackle in the country, high four star guy, also. Crystal ball favorite to Ohio, to Ohio State. That's a place where the Buckeyes have built a pipeline. So if you get guys who are at the right schools or are, are you know, they've been able to build some of that relationship, you're going to be able to find some of them. There, there are some players in the state of Ohio that maybe aren't, you know, 0.96 high four star dudes who could also potentially play defensive tackle for Ohio State next year. So I don't, I don't. I'm not that worried about it, right? Like it, I it, it does it stink to to lose out on a couple of these gigantic, uh, you know, really big one technique, super fast guys, yeah. Um, especially since it's been a couple of years in a row, and it seems strange because Ohio State has a very good defensive line coach and they they recruit very well, but there's not very many of those players, and I think the odds are pretty good that they're going to get one next year. It would be easier to understand people being upset about it if they didn't add in the sixth-ranked tackle in the country in Haskell Garrett and the 14th-ranked defensive tackle in Jerron Cage. And, like, if you guys haven't watched either of these guys' highlight tapes, particularly Haskell Garrett's, go ahead and do that, and you will feel much, much better about defensive tackle. And I think in recruiting and 
when you get to these guys getting to the roster, what hurts more than missing a player is bringing in a player and missing on him. So, like, it sucks that he didn't go to Ohio State, but if they hit with these two or even just one of them, then it'll make up for it. And like you said, when it comes to the defensive line, Ohio State has 53.5 tackles for loss coming back from last season and 21 of the 28 sacks from last season coming back. The pass rush is only going to get better. They're going to go at least – 10 to 12 guys deep on the defensive line. And maybe this is something we can talk about later in the podcast about attrition or possible attrition needing to get to 85 players on the roster. But you look in guys like uh, Devon Hamilton, Jonathan Cooper, and Deshaun Cornell are second and third string guys. And these are players that came into the program with tremendous pedigree. And I think at least one or two of those guys are going to get a chance to play even more next season and and contribute but you you look at the embarrassment of riches they have on the defensive line and like you said being able to kick some of those defensive end types inside on third downs or second down and longs in passing situation is going to kind of negate that need for that freak one tech defensive tackle and then finally you just look at what they have already a defensive tackle michael hill is a very dependable player i I think that he's going to get a lot of reps And then you have Draymond Jones, who in his first season had three of his four tackles for loss in the last four games of the season. He kind of got better as the season progressed. And then my favorite, you have Robert Landers, who kind of faded down the stretch, but seven and a half tackles for loss in his first season as well. I think that they have two guys in Draymond Jones and Robert Landers who may be potential stars there at defensive tackle. So it's not like they're not working with anything there. So they should be just fine. Yeah, I mean... We saw the Clemson game. We know what it's like when you have a couple of guys like that. But um, it's not, yeah, it's not like the cupboard's bare, especially for next year. Now, I mean, moving forward, it's going to be interesting because Ohio State's going to, you know, lose a ton uh, of production from their defensive line after the season. It's a very experienced group. Lots of guys are going to be headed to the NFL after this year. But there's no shortage of talented options to replace them. I I do want to talk about that a little bit because uh, that – you know, now that National Signing Day is in the books, and the spring game's not for, uh, you know, not until April, and uh, the, we're not expecting any post-National Signing Day coaching attrition for Ohio State. That happens at a, at a couple of places, but I think if that was, I mean, I, I think we've, we've seen all the coaching changes that we're going to. And since Ohio State basketball is pretty thoroughly non-competitive at this point. We don't really have to worry about projecting postseason tournaments. Even the NIT, I don't think, seems very likely at this point. Uh, So the calendar is pretty open. And one of the storylines that we're going to, you know, I'm going to follow, and I think people are going to be talking about over the next couple of months, is going to be Ohio State's scholarship situation. So you don't have to get to 85 scholarships until, like, August, I think. And by my count, and listeners, you know, if I'm wrong, at me, please. I believe Ohio State's at 90 now that they've brought in 21 players. And that includes, you know, some of these guys that we know are leaving, like like Cam Burroughs um, and Evan Lott, uh, you know, Kyle Trout and Torrance Gibson, these guys who have transferred. So we're looking at five uh, players that are currently on scholarship that won't be able to be on scholarship for next year. Now, I don't like, like – I, I think there's a general consensus that, that it, it feels like not exactly tactful to point to specific players and say like, oh, you you got to go. 
or like this is somebody who who I think uh, you know could leave. If you follow Ohio State closely, you know I, I think if we if we turned off the recording, you and I could probably come up with a couple of names. But I'm wondering if you think there are particular position groups that look especially crowded right now, where you think there might be some attrition. If you think if you look along the defensive line. Um, what we just talked about, just based that there are so many players right there that not only are already playing, but the ones coming in too have a high pedigree. We haven't even talked about Chase Young, who may end up being the best player in this class at that defensive end position. He's going to vie for playing time as well. And so you look at that defensive tackle, defensive end position, and even if you have a 10-man rotation, it's never a guarantee that players are going to be happy with that. And I do think that if you look at a position group on defense, that's probably the likely one where even though, like you mentioned, there are players that are going to be in their final season this year, guys are going to want to transfer and go somewhere else because not only are those guys ahead of them, but there are guys coming in with pedigree behind them as well who may jump them. And offensively, receiver probably is the one that that stands out. You have a couple of players there who either haven't made an impact or have been injured. And Ohio State has kind of focused in on on bringing more true receiver types in this class and in future classes. So wide receiver and along the defensive line are the two positions that I would look at as the ones to where you may see a little bit of attrition. Wide receiver certainly seems possible, uh, especially because there are multiple players there that have been dealing with a lot of injury problems. Um, And, you know, some of you, it's not, it's not clear, even if there are players who are talented enough and, and won't be able to compete for playing time, if they're just going to be healthy. Uh, I think another place where we're going to want to watch is the offensive line. The fact that the Buckeyes went and tried to bring in a JUCO player last year, I think, speaks to the level of confidence that the program has in some of their backups. And um, even you know, last year when some players were struggling, there wasn't a lot of 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 uh, you know, you couldn't really bring in and bring in anybody in in front of Prince or in front of anybody else because there weren't that many guys. And there's still plenty of guys on that roster. So I wouldn't be surprised if some people who are in kind of like that junior, redshirt, sophomore, kind of middle range where you've been in the program for two, three, four years, uh, you might be, you know, given who the Buckeyes have just brought in and who they're looking at along the offensive line for 2018, you're going to get recruited over. And so, you know, if if, if you are looking to transfer to see more playing time, I would look at guards and tackles. Um, as 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 potential groups where you might you might see people decide to go elsewhere to pursue playing time. Is it fair to say that Ohio State oversigned? You know, I, honestly, I, I I think it depends. You know, if it, it depends on when those conversations happen, and I, I think it depends on if somebody is being pushed out or not. Like I don't know the the medical situation here. It is it is possible um, that there are five guys on this team who are not like healthy enough to play college football anymore. Um, you know, or, or that 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 wouldn't get that uh, that designation. We 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 know. Last, I think it was last recruiting class. There were a couple of names that surprised us, um, but di- didn't get that clearance. There might be five of them now. If you know, if, if Ohio State knows there's three of those guys, and we'll find out, you know, who they are shortly, and then you know, you you have some conversations with people and 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 make it known that you don't have to leave, but you're probably never going to play. If they decide that their own free will, they want to go to Cincinnati or somewhere else, like I don't think that's a problem. I think if Ohio State's like, well, we had a chance to get this five-star and we're going to work out the roster stuff later and then try to have that conversation in May, 
I think that's oversigning, and I think that's not ethical. Um, to my knowledge, over the last couple of years, I think that there might be one or two cases that seemed a little bit shady. Um, and the, with the majority of the people departing, um, either for, hey, you know, this makes sense, if, that, if, that, if that's what you want, no hard feelings, or they, or they weren't healthy enough. Um, if, if it becomes clear that someone's being run off and like, I, I wanted to stay and, and I couldn't, uh, we should criticize that, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think it's definitely something to talk about. And it's one of those things to where I think you can criticize it and just because it sucks and it sucks for the players that whether it's injuries or being recruited over, it sucks to not just Ohio State, but for for any player at any school to just kind of be pushed out. And this is what we've seen more in the Southern schools. But I think it's also okay to just kind of be like, well, it's unfortunate. It sucks, but it's just kind of how it is right now. But definitely don't like to see it. But I, I think it's worth talking about. But I think if they really, truly wanted to oversign, they probably could have given all the players that they were in on and some of the guys that they would have taken, like we talked about from that Maryland class and a couple of other four-star guys that any other year, if they would have had two or three more spots, would have been in this class. So they couldn't. They could have signed more guys, definitely. But at 21, I think it's kind of in a gray area of they took just enough, but also enough for us to kind of talk about it a little bit. I don't think that this is something that's necessarily widespread in college football. Uh, some coaches, are, I, I think, are clearly more aggressive about this than others. And, and it's, it's, it's funny, like the more I've been researching for this book, like this is something that has been an issue and debated in college football for almost forever, but basically since we've had scholarship limits. I mean, this was, interestingly enough, perhaps the major reason why Georgia Tech left the SEC, because Bobby Dodd thought this wasn't fair, and then um, the other SEC programs were running their kids off, and, and Tech wasn't doing it, and the, and the conference wouldn't um, create legislation to slow down that practice. You know, it's, it's, it's been something that's been argued about since the, since the 60s. Um, and I would support stronger legislation to, to help discourage that practice. Um, hopefully, you know, the, the, the attrition that's coming up here is not uh, unethical or forced from Ohio State's perspective. You know, maybe, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. We'll, we'll find some of that out. And if there's compelling evidence that they screwed up, we should hold them accountable. Do you have anything else that you want to make sure that we, we cover here as we, as we kind of head into beyond? Because really, other than this, and other than like the spring game, which I don't know about you guys, I need a little bit of time <laughs> to, 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 to care about spring practice and, and get my mind right and kind of miss football a little bit before I, I delve back into it. Um, like women's basketball, like what, 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 what else is on your mind right now? Just the final Ohio State thing and something for people to look at when it comes to this class is we know about the Sean Wades, uh, the Jeffrey Okuda, Wyatt Davis – but like somehow this class is so good that guys like J.K. Dobbins, who's the second overall all-purpose back in the whole country, it's just kind of an afterthought. And so I think it'll be interesting to look back on this recruiting class in two or three years and see some of these guys who are the lower four-star guys or even mid-four-star guys who would be stars anywhere else. And once these guys have great careers, be like, oh, yeah, that's, that's right. That guy was in that class too, and now he's a first-round draft pick. So I think that's going to be something fun to look at 
and then just other uh, recruiting stuff around the country. Michigan had a really nice class, especially at wide receiver and defensive end, and I'll be intrigued to look at how many of those guys play next season given how much they've lost at those two particular positions and not only just that but along their whole team I think that they're going to have a very young team that's going to have to contribute right away if they want to get back up to that level that they've been at the last two seasons and uh, Big Ten wise man um, Maryland we talked about last week had a really nice class and other than that Illinois kind of just floating off into space I think is kind of fun to look at Illinois is kind of in their own world not only in recruiting but also just when it comes to playing the games like I don't know anything about that team and it's just kind of weird seeing them just floating off into space like that but that that's about it trying to look up here when do you think the last time Michigan signed a consensus higher rated class in Ohio State I would assume that it was probably whatever class uh, Chad Henney and Mike Hart were in. Um, I'm playing with the 247 thing right now. I think it's 2007. That would have been the Ryan Mallett class um, for Michigan. Donovan Warren, Michael Williams, Junior Hemingway. Um, that class finished eighth. And Ohio State, yikes, I'm scrolling down here. I can't even find him in the top 50. Um, so, you know, it's always, always a weird thing. Uh, yeah, Ohio State's listed as 67th that year. That can't be right. A lot of these guys don't have um, their their data in there. But but uh, yeah, like it's it's it, we're looking at over a decade, um, or about a decade since Michigan out recruited Ohio State, uh, and it's 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 I think it's only happened once over the last 10 years when Ohio State didn't have the best class in the Big Ten. I think Penn State beat them one year. Um, Michigan's class is really good, but. Uh, They've got a lot of work to do if they want to be able to grab that top spot. Matt, you know what else Michigan has only done once in the last 10 years? What's that? Beat Ohio State. That's true. Coincidence? I think not, my friends. The numbers are actually good. <laughs> the numbers, like the spot, uh, were good. And uh, and my protest sign. Did you see the uh, the reporter from South Bend who was thoroughly confused? No, I didn't. You, you Fill the listeners in uh, on the happenings there. Okay, just we'll, we'll 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 end here on this. So, uh, I talk about politics on my Twitter account. Try not to do it too much here on the website or this podcast or anything. So, so TLDR, me as the son of a Latin American immigrant and refugee from Brazil in the 1960s, feels uh, especially um, strongly about the concerns about refugee resettlement and and immigration for unpopular groups. So. Uh, given recent political events, there was a, a demonstration uh, near the White House. I, I live near D.C. I work in D.C., so I decided to go. And I'm like, hey, we're, you know, I haven't been to a protest in a long time. I'm not really the protest kind of guy. So, but you no, know, in, in this particular event, we'll go. We'll all make signs. So uh, my daughter went, and, and she kind of like scribbled on on some paper or on, on some cardboard for her sign. My wife made one, and then like I made one uh, that uh, reminded people of the true important things. Not these political divisions that are happening right now, but but of Notre Dame's record. We can't let ourselves lose sight of that. So I think it was like, don't let Notre Dame's four and eight record distract you from the fact that just you know blocking refugees is wrong. Um, I even tried to get a chant going, like in my little group. It was you know it was like, you know, don't build the wall. Love Trump's hate. Notre Dame went four and eight. 
and you know we, we got a we kind of got a couple other people into it and there was a reporter from south bend who was there and took a picture of me holding my sign and tweeted it like that evening going like this is the strangest sign i've ever seen i don't understand why that was at the protest um and a bunch of Purdue fans were like, well, actually, sir, it's because Notre Dame's record was 4-8. and eight. <laughs> yeah, Don't be upset. Um, it kind of blew up a little bit. I, that was one of my prouder political moments. Uh, I think if I go to another demonstration this year, which there's a fair chance I will, um, we, might, we might have to mention something about the spot. If you are attending a political event or demonstration in the Columbus area and are planning on making a sign, please make one about the spot. If you do... Get a picture of it, send it to me. I'll retweet it, I'll blow it up, I'll put it on land grant. Um, we can't let people forget that actually, spot was good. It was good, and uh, Michi- was. Michigan's challenge for the spot was filibustered. It's true, it was filibustered. It was actually bad. So we'll wrap up here on this, everyone. Thanks for uh, for tuning in. I'm going to fill my body with uh, vitamins, minerals, and and uh, antibiotics, so I'm going to be able to rally and uh, and and. Uh, get my voice back and, and we'll talk about some more Ohio state news. And I guess some Ohio state basketball stuff uh, over the next couple of weeks. You can of course follow our website on Twitter at land grant 33. You can follow me. I'm at Matt SBN Colton. What's your Twitter handle again? It's at dubs co. Don't follow me though. You don't want to do that. Your his tweets are trash. They're about like Japanese wrestling and, and some shit. Um, it's horrid. <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a dark place. Yeah. I actually don't follow me either. Cause I'm, I'm just tweeting about my kid. Um, you, uh, of course, can also find this show on SoundCloud and on our website. And uh, our audience is growing, and you should say nice things about us. We're also on iTunes and anywhere else, really, that you get podcasts. Um, I hope you all enjoyed our National Signing Day coverage. We had a ton uh, over the last couple of days. We want to go back on the website and, and check to make sure you didn't miss anything. We had some video stuff on our Facebook page. Be sure to like us there if you haven't. There's some videos that you're not going to see on the website. Uh, especially some recruiting focused ones, some, some Q&As, um, some neat hype videos that you're not going to want to miss. So sure check out all of that. Thanks for listening, everybody. The spot was good. And go Bucks. Go Bucks.